the Work Wonders podcast, brought to you by Asta HR, where we simplify the human side of business. I'm Angela. And I'm Susan. Let's dive into today's episode and find out what you've been wondering about. Well, it's interview time again. This time, we were delighted to have Sarah Hunter in the studio. Sarah is a business and board advisor with long-standing involvement in the agriculture and animal health industries, which is probably a bit different for us. Sarah has had a wonderful career and part of that has been as a facilitator delivering Oz Industries Entrepreneurs Program and as commercial director for a global animal health company. And during that time, she was twice a New South Wales finalist in the Telstra Businesswomen's Awards. A non-executive director of leading rural charity Rural Aid, Sarah is also one of the two consumer representatives on the Veterinary Practitioners Board of New South Wales and board chair of the Ag Institute of Australia. She's the newly appointed lead mentor at the Upstairs Incubator in Bathurst. Yes, Susan, and she has a lot to share from her very varied experience throughout her career. We had a really robust discussion around a lot of things. We talked about the employee value proposition, culture of a workplace as well, and values, and how important that that is to bring into your role as an employer, but also building your own leadership skills, as you no doubt need to when you're managing a team of staff. So let's get started. This is the Work Wonders podcast. Hi, Susan. It's interview time again. Yes, looking forward to another interesting interview. And today our guest is Sarah Hunter. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you, Susan. Hi, Sarah. Lovely to have you here. Thank you so much. So, Sarah, we'd like to start off by asking you to tell us a little bit about your career story and what's led you to where you are today. Well, I started off as an agricultural graduate and I agricultural science. I still work very closely in that field. But I went overseas after I graduated and worked in a number of industries, including as the head of the Secretariat for Lloyd's Names Action Groups in the 90s, where there was no playbook and I learnt just to make it up as I went along <laughs> manage, manage as we went. Right. And so what did you learn in that role? I learnt to just be there to solve people's problems. Nobody really cared how you, you know, what was going on in the background. You, your job was in a service industry to solve problems and, yeah. and, that's, and that's what I did until, well, I kept doing that, I suppose, but I came back to Australia in the 90s and then eventually went into my industry properly for the first time where I started my corporate career. And what sort of roles did that include? I started with a, a sort of fairly base level sort of sales role, managing clients, and I really just collected departments <laughs> until I left. So when I left, I was the head of commercial in, in Australia, and I had a wonderfully diverse set of departments and team members, and you know oh, yeah. we did some really interesting and innovative things just because it was, why not, you know, hasn't right. been done before, great, we'll do it. Fascinating. So you've led a whole bunch of different sort of teams and, like you say, different sort of roles and responsibilities. I have. And I left that when I realised that my role was the redundant one and I had a fantastic team of, you know, really high calibre department heads who needed headspace to grow. And my space, the space I was occupying was that headspace and and I'd done everything that I could do. So I stepped out and started my career in consulting and board roles. Right. Okay. What a fascinating thing to do to decide you're the one that 
needs to move on to a new thing. Fascinating, traumatic. Yeah. You know, people were saying, so how's retirement going to be? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just 50 with a Sydney mortgage. There's yes. no retirement <laughs> <Not> yet. <laughs> but thank you. <laughs> okay, so in the life of consulting now, and um, that must be very different. It is and it isn't. Uh, I found that as a sort of senior executive, mostly what you were doing was enabling, sort of leading, setting the tone, enabling people, nurturing people to actually do the work. And in consulting, that's very much the case. I love the definition of a mentor, which I've really been for quite a long time now, as someone who believes in you before you're able to believe in yourself. That's beautiful. Yeah, that's what I'm there for. So I sort of there to help them make decisions, help clients sort of see the way forward. Doesn't matter what I've been brought in to do, we almost always have to go back to basics with a, you know, strategy purpose, what what you're doing here. And unless you're able to articulate that, you really can't employ with confidence because you don't know, you, you know, you've, you've got to be able to tell yeah. that story to people and find that connection because yeah. you're both looking for a fit. You know, yeah. it's not a one-way decision-making thing. You want someone to be excited to come and work with you as much as you want to fill a role. Yeah. And they're looking for a purpose in a place that they can sort of grow as themselves. So that's I think that's a really important thing that gets overlooked in the doing of, mm. of, of work, in, uh, particularly in small business. Yeah, I like that perspective. So what's one thing that you have learned? What stood out for you in your journey of being a leader of those sorts of teams? I learned that you're always learning and you become aware enough to realise what a monster you were when you were first managing people <laughs> and thinking that you had to control things. But everyone goes through that, you know. It's it's just a, a way that you have to... It's hard to let go. <laughs> yeah, you've just got to realise it, like block it out. You were terrible, but you got better. <laughs> That's a very interesting perspective, isn't it? Because you've... You've learned, you've developed, and you've you've realised that you know, you've got that self awareness. It does make me wonder, though, what is behind that growth? Because, well, let's face it, not everyone is willing to learn and accept that the way they were doing things or they're doing things now isn't really working. That's right, and it's certainly um, it's a factor of a lot of corporate organisations. Um, They'll be arranged in one way and then they'll suddenly change, Mm -hmm. you know, and reorganise in a different way. And it does look purposeless, but I think that you have to organise for the time that you're in. So what was fine before might not be fit for the times now, but may be again. So I think you do have to recognise that just because you were doing things a certain way, that was the best way you knew or the best way to meet the market or the best way for your clients, but nothing stays the same forever. So you do have to sort of recognise that change isn't a criticism of how it was before. Mm. It's just... It's just the way things are as, as the environment changes. Something that I think that is really important for businesses of any size is to recognise that your empl- employee value proposition is what informs your customer value proposition. And the way you treat your employees and the way you build your culture reflects on the way the client or the customer has their experience. Yeah. And you can shortcut with customers are the best people in the world, blah, blah, blah and really be horrible to your staff. And 
Yeah, it just, it's, it's not, not going to work. work. Yeah, and work. I think um, you know a, a current topical example of that is Qantas. Well, they don't have many employees, do they? Contract. <laughs> no, <laughs> the best um, brand so organisation in the world. That's a whole other conversation, <laughs> indeed. So, a lot of the time with my clients recently, um, you know, talent shortage. We're in the regions as well, so even mm. you know, exacerbated by housing shortages as well, which means that the talent can't even come and work for you in if if they're relocating. Um, I have said to my clients that really the best thing that they can do for their business is make sure that they are the best managers of people around because they'll attract talent, they'll retain talent, and when people do move on, as they inevitably do, if they've had a good experience, they'll be your ambassador. Yeah. They might go and get great experiences somewhere else and come back in a more senior role and you haven't had to pay for that training. You know, it's... It's a continuum that you have to just be generous and gracious about and just go, well, if I'm going to be the best for them, the best person to sort of lead, nurture, develop them, I need to work on myself and then that other will follow. You know, I will be able to attract, I will be able to talk with enthusiasm and authenticity about my business and why we're doing what we're doing. Yeah. Attract that It will, you know, be rewarded. Do you enjoy listening to our interview episodes? As you can tell, Angela and I really enjoy making them. So we're always on the lookout for interesting people we can interview. If you or someone you know would make a great guest for us, please get in touch. You can contact us through our website at astrahr.com.au or via LinkedIn. We're always happy to have a chat about what we might be able to discuss that can both inform our listeners and help you to reach a wider audience. Now let's get back to the episode. So can you give us an example of, or more than one example if you like, of what that looks like being an employer who is going to attract the right people? I'm a, I'm a bit of a fan of the Jim Collins good to great. Yeah. Um, I like that premise a lot. Um, so the right people on the bus, the bus is important. And sometimes the right people on the bus for a particular time, you go through a big step change, you, you know, the environment changes, the customer, the market changes. They're not the right people sometimes. And, and often if, if you can find, you know, if the business can grow for them as well, they can find, you know, really great opportunities in, in other parts of the organisation. Mm. But sometimes it's just a matter of what people do we need for where we are now and we, where we need to go next and, you know, bringing them on with that cultural thing in mind. Mm-hmm. I've got a real thing about the term soft skills. <laughs> so do I. They're not soft. They're not soft. soft. No, they're <laughs> the hardest thing. Absolutely. My, to, to my mind, the soft skills are really the bricks. They're not the mortar. They're yeah. the things that help you make stuff happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, so I think in terms of that um, developing your management capability, it's learning how to listen to people, you know, learn, learn how to communicate with people, be in their shoes, you know, particularly if you're a business owner, you have a passion and drive and, you know, that's driving you. That's not going to be the same for other people who are there for different reasons, equally valid, but yeah. you've got to be in their shoes and think about how that's going to 
you know, what's going to be the best uh, way of getting their enthusiasm and motivation and so forth. So I think that um, giving people some guidelines but letting them do mm-hmm. their things, I think that there's also a risk sometimes of being really keen to promote someone or give them new opportunities but not recognising that the skills they've got aren't ready for that. Yes. So you sort of set them up to fail, you're disappointed, they're resentful, they're burnt out, they leave possibly. but Worst possible just, outcome. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But being more purposeful about what they need to be able to do, maybe there are steps to take, um, helping them succeed by letting them grow and make mistakes but within guardrails that yeah. um, is not sort of over – supervising but helps them not go too far and 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 sort of lose their confidence so Mm. you know you've sort of got to be support help guide guide, um cross fingers (laughs) that's right (laughs) but it works i mean you sort of ask what what's the worst that can happen yeah Yeah. let's just make sure anything beyond that doesn't all about developing people isn't it and you talked about soft skills there do you have any tips on how a person that might not be aware of how to, to measure that or even what they are, um, how to be able to monitor that and measure that in a person that they're leading? Um, I think the best way of doing that is being open to very frank feedback and you know just mm-hmm. developing, normalising feedback loops yeah. so everybody is able to, you know, nicely and and without rancor, is able to give feedback. Um, I did find that we, you know, corporate life, you know, you do all sorts of behavioural (laughs) analyses and training, you know, that sort of thing. Surveys. And I did find that when a group all did the same thing together, once they got over the I can't be labelled, oh, that mm-hmm. label looks exactly like me. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> then we all had a language, a common language we exactly. could use. And you'd be able to say, okay, um, your day's coming through pretty strongly there. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I'm like and so I'm going to need to step through this one and you yeah. sort of go, okay, there's no personal yep. aspect there. There's just a you know how you behave, I know how I do and, you know, let's – Let's walk through the process. So you're working on the process. I think that's quite a good way of getting into it because it's familiar, you know, it's it's known yeah. and and you can then um, invite feedback with a, I'm trying to improve, yes. you're trying to improve. Yeah. You know, we're, we're all trying to do our best. No yeah. one comes here to do a bad job. That's right. Um, so I, th- I think that's probably a good way to do it and – it's hard if you haven't had that as part of your business culture to sort of suddenly start everybody, you know, yeah. let it all out. But you can do it in you can. little And stages. I think if you're not aware that, you know, there, there can be a structure around that and an appropriate way to do things, it can be pretty scary and that's why people don't ask for that's feedback. That's right, yeah. And they also – I think it's also like when you learn a language – you're terrified to talk to people because they might respond and you won't know. (laughs) (laughs) Then what do I do? Okay. Oh, yes, that's happened to me. (laughs) So I think sometimes people are just a bit anxious about, well, what if I start this? And then, you know, it goes a place I don't need, you know, I don't 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 want to go. How to to handle, yeah. (laughs) Mm. Um, So in that respect, it's just 
small and, and something that is comfortable but not too comfortable yes. in the environment you're in and just stretch it. I mean, even just coffees, just a little coffee chat once a week. Exactly. Team members, all about, you know, whatever they want to bring up, not a work wit meeting or anything like that, yeah. just a how are you, you know, let's get to know each other a bit better type of thing. And yeah. as you were saying earlier, you know, as you get to know people, you know more about what motivates them and yeah, what's going yeah. to keep them engaged in your business as exactly. well. Exactly. And there's also, um, in small business particularly, resourcing, always a thing. You know, you don't have access to all the training and development and, you know, internship opportunities and things that you might like, but you can really make the most of a lot of free resources and low-cost resources. Yeah, as long as you know where they are and how to find them, which I find, um, yeah, we often get people saying, well, you know, what do I do about this? And we'll say, well, did you know this exists over here? No, I don't have time to look for that. You know, just show me. Mm, exactly. Um, certainly there are a lot of government um, programs that, mm. that um, are out there. I mean, one thing that I did was, I, you know, I had uh, team members who needed sort of experience in other organisations or experience in other areas of work that we, we just couldn't give them. And I had clients with a similar situation. So we set up a bit of a, a sort of secondment arrangement where one of my people okay. would go there for a day or fortnight to work with their team doing this stuff and one of theirs would come to us and same thing. And it's a great idea in regional areas where there's not, you know, you might not, have access to the staff that have those totally skills, yeah. but you can get them. Well, this was just a development, you know, a people development um, mm. initiative, but you could easily do it from a, you know, an ongoing commercial or ongoing business thing and share resources, yeah. you know, mm. join forces yeah. to hire or something or exactly. get access to something. You don't have to do it with just what you've got in front of you in just your area. You know, you can be creative if you look at what do we need and where is it and what are the pathways that yeah. I might use to, to get it. Fascinating. So in your experience, Sarah, have you seen maybe one thing that can go wrong in the HR space when you're looking after a team of staff? Um, I think that the thing that most often goes wrong is that you've got a little gut feel that something's wrong and you don't go at it, you know, Um, because it is usually something that then gets bigger or worse and nobody likes confrontation. Yeah, that's right. Nobody likes having conversations that make people upset. Or uncomfortable. Yes, Um, but it is sometimes important to just go, okay, what's going on here yeah. because it doesn't end well if you leave it. Yes, it can make the situation worse, can't it, or, it or can. yeah. spread into something larger or different. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. And sometimes that is the classic um, high-performing person that nobody likes working with. <laughs> <laughs> and you just have to, you know, get onto it because you're actually, um, you know, you're betraying your culture if that's not something that you would normally – tolerate, you, you're just showing that you're prepared to walk past things and you, you can. Mm. And a lot of that I think comes from, you know, setting up front what what the expectations are and what your culture is. Right. I remember going to 
um, a panel discussion once and the CEO of quite a well-known organisation said that they had a no-dickhead rule. Mm. <laughs> Very common. Very important. And, yeah, so if you know that that's the rule in your organisation, it's much easier to confront somebody who's acting like that. Yep. We don't normally swear on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was actually one of the things when, <laughs> when I started out on my own. I was That's a, one of the things that I was able to add as a criterion. Yeah, exactly. But I also find that sometimes the people who behave like that, particularly if it's out of character, it's because they're the ones who care most oh, and they're upset sure. about the direction that something is taking. So that is their way of kind of alerting that they're not happy with the mm. way things are going in a particular direction. And, and in those cases, I think you, you do ask early because yeah. you want to know what it mm. is. That mm. Have you had much experience with using staff surveys to elicit that information? Uh, yes, but I think surveys almost always bring up as many questions. <laughs> I know, they do. So surveys with follow-on sort of discussions or focus groups or yes. you know, ways of really digging into yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, I think that's important. The worst thing you could do is run a survey and then not do anything with the results. Exactly. exactly. I um, didn't like that. <laughs> no, we didn't, like, we didn't want to know that. That one. And quite often it, what reminded me of that was you talking about the person who's um, giving the negative feedback or behaving in a negative way is someone who cares the most. So, you know, we might assume that in a survey that negative feedback shows they're not engaged, but it actually shows the opposite. Yes, exactly. You know? And that they, they are so engaged that when it comes to a point where they can no longer reconcile their values with mm. what's happening, they'll, they'll just walk. Yeah. Mm. So better to have that chat Yeah. find out what it is. And I do feel that if people are really pushing back strongly – Either they've seen something that you've missed or you haven't explained the direction well enough. So it all comes down to communication, which mm -hmm. is what we're always banging on about, aren't we, Susan? And clear <laughs> communication. True. Yeah. Very Clear true. communication is very important, mm -hmm. isn't it? Because things can be interpreted in a number of ways. Sarah, you've recently been involved in this Accelerate at Upstairs program? That's right. Accelerate at Upstairs. At Upstairs is a program funded by the Accelerating Regional Innovation Fund. Okay. And it's running kind of as of now. Our first program is in October at the Upstairs Incubator in Bathurst. Right. So this is for regional businesses and we are covering um, a range of things from true sort of startup ideation development programs to um, learn how to sort of bring an innovation mindset into your organisation and growth programs for businesses that are sort of ready to take that that's, that step change element um, and a really big schools program as well for next year, which wow. will be quite yeah. exciting. Yeah. So it's targeted at innovation and in um, particular industries as well? Yes, in high-quality food products and renewable energy. Mm -hmm. So that will be I'll, – I'll, I'll take it as a personal challenge to mash those at least. Yes, <laughs> that's at right. At least one of the <laughs> – Diverse audience. <laughs> the, the, the program <laughs> themes. But, and we've got a series of sort of lunch and learns and other programs. So there's quite a smorgasbord of things that business owners in sort of Bathurst, Oberon, Lithgow area can – Blaney – can um, pick up on and 
you know, a really great opportunity to just create a, a closer collaborative community of, of business. Fantastic. Yeah. And we all know that there are high-quality food products coming yes, out of that region. So we do. That's nice. So if any of our listeners want to get involved in that, Sarah, how could they do that? Um, best thing is probably to go to the socials and follow Upstairs Co-working Space, um, mm-hmm. Upstairs Incubator, and the information about the Accelerate programs will be able to come out from there. Fantastic. And we'll be sure to put that in our show notes as well. Thank you so much. Well, Sarah, I wonder if there's one thing that you would like to leave our listeners with in terms of something they could take away and implement in their own businesses. I think I'd like to just remind about the work on yourself just do, and work on the things that you can improve to be a great manager of people, a great sort of nurturer of talent, and the rest will follow. Lovely. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Sarah. It's been a pleasure to hear from you and I'm sure our listeners have got a lot from it. Oh, thank you so much. It's been lovely to see you both. You too. Thanks for listening to the Work Wonders podcast brought to you by Asta HR. Hit the subscribe button now to never miss an episode. And if you'd like to continue the conversation with us, you can find us over at astahr.com.au. See you in the next episode.